Welcome back to Home Ice Advantage, only super duper extra late. So, progress. Before we get into anything, I want to acknowledge that some of you are watching the video version of this podcast, youtube.com slash, get this, Colin Home Ice. I know, it's really original. But let's get into the show. 9,393 days of frustration. And on the 9394th day of NHL existence, the Carolina Hurricanes have won the Stanley Cup. Welcome to Home Ice Advantage. With historical perspectives, modern day deep dives, special guests, and a healthy mix of good, bad, and or hot takes, this is the best place for you to learn about your Carolina home games. I just want to say thank you, and I'm looking forward to this challenge. It's an honor, and I think we're going to do great things. It happened. The main event, the thing we've been waiting literal years for, finally happened. And Carolina Hurricanes fans, the city of Raleigh, Caniacs like yourself, represented. They came to play. All 56,961 fans in the stadium left Carter Friendly with a memory of a lifetime. But that's it. It's now just a memory, and if you got to go to the game, you have an amazing story. And if you didn't get to go to the game, you'll lie about it because you're going to make up a pretty amazing story. Now, if you didn't watch the game, well, you're one of the few because it averaged 1.5 million viewers at its peak, which is one of the most viewed regular season games of this year. It's also the most viewed Hurricanes game in the history of Raleigh. Well, in our market. And, perhaps most importantly, the Hurricanes got the job done when they absolutely dominated the Washington Capitals. Without Ovi, but dominated nonetheless for a 4-1 victory. But locally... The people in Raleigh came out and they love that sure shit. Dude. I believe Shout it. Shout out sure them. Dude. No, they, they're great local events. Yeah, and they're they garbage. dominated the game too. Yeah. <laughs> My default is always that outdoor games work better in baseball venues than football venues. Yeah. But Saturday at Carter Finley Stadium in Raleigh, that looked awesome. I mean, everything about the presentation looked fantastic. Looked like everybody, maybe outside of the Washington Capitals, were having a great time. What do you think of Stadium Series this weekend? I thought it looked great. That that whole scene with the intros, it was it mm-hmm. was it, just as a TV person. Credit to the people at ESPN who produced it. Those walk-ins looked fantastic. There was a full week of programming that I have covered numerous times on this show for about a month now. Interesting enough, the Camboard game happened. He was inducted in the Hall of Fame. There was emotions. It was a good time. The Fan Fest happened on Fayetteville Street in downtown Raleigh, which, interesting enough, was my last day of living on Fayetteville Street in downtown Raleigh. That somehow timed out. And then, the special event, the main event that we're all talking about, that's now a memory. Gone past, it was amazing, incredible. Alumni game, NC State Force UNC pulled 26,000 people at Porter Friendly. It was a good time. It was a good time all around. But there was something 
which made a lot of Hurricanes fans really happy this week that happened that had nothing to do with the Stadium Series game, just straight up. And it started with friend of the show, Adam Gold, hosting his radio show. He does it every day, Monday through Friday, except this time he had a very interesting guest on. Well, I'm sure, sorry, Adam, all your guests are interesting. Um, anyways, all you guests are interesting, Adam. Scouts honor. I don't know if that's right. Uh, this is what happens when there's a video portion of the podcast. Either way, he got to talk to Carolina Hurricanes owner Tom Dundon. And it was mostly about the stadium series and stuff like that, expectations, blah, 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 blah. Good listen. I'll link it down below. But most interesting happened just at the end of their conversation. When Tom Dundon just, you know what? Not going to set it up. Just listen. You know, everyone's working really hard to see if we can't get better today. Um, and it's very frustrating that, you know, Pacioretty, uh was hurt mm-hmm. because I think, you know, he's what we need. And hopefully next year we'll have him. Um, but, uh, yeah, it happened. And you can't, you can't not think about it. But there ain't many of those kind of players running around. <laughs> Oh, so did so, we just break news here that you're going to try and re-sign Max uh, in the offseason? For sure. Okay. Yeah, that guy works hard. All right, good. We got to get him back. Okay. That's, I think that incur- is encouraging to a lot of people. I think I'm not alone in saying that I want to see Max Pacioretty back. And if for some reason you've been living under a rock and you don't remember, the Carolina Hurricanes traded for Max Pacioretty in the offseason. Don Waddell sent fan favorite future considerations to Las Vegas for Dylan Coughlin and Max Pacioretty. Max Pacioretty then shortly after tore his right Achilles and was going to miss six months of the season. He came back in early January, two weeks to the day later after he got his fourth start. He tore his right Achilles for the second time in just six months, ending his season. And for some people, that's a career-ending move, right? Like, you tear your same Achilles twice, might just be time to hang it up. But here, Tom Dundon just said that that guy's a hard worker. And in fairness, in all three full games, importantly full games, that Max Petrarchi played in, he scored a goal. And it's not just Dundon saying we're interested in re-signing him. Because Max Petrarchi has since sought treatment for his Achilles. And thanks to Corey LaViolette, I can tell you that he was spotted inside PNC Arena in team workouts. Why? I don't know. His season's over. But he obviously likes it enough to not only stay in Raleigh, but to continue to exercise with the team. So just something to think about going into the future. And speaking about the future, again, I've covered a lot about PNC's hopeful renovations, I guess we should say. And something I haven't really talked about is sports betting. And it's a controversial subject, and we're not going to dive deep into it. I'll do a special episode on it soon. I promise you, I'm doing a ton of research. But the easy way to say this is for the second time in, in as many years, the North Carolina General Assembly, which is that big, ugly building downtown. Yep, yep, that's the one. Um, is considering a legal sports betting bill, which would not only allow sports books, which is, think of it like, a sports-only type casino. It's a weird way to phrase it. Um, 
and mobile sports betting. And what does this really mean? Well, the Carolina Hurricanes would make a ton of money, basically. This is not confirmed yet, but Roy Cooper did have this to say on the subject. I think it's, I think it's gonna pass uh, from, from what I hear. We're working with trying to make sure that we get good legislation that is fair to the taxpayers, but also recognizes something that's going on anyway. So we might as well get benefit for our schools and for our state out of it. So we'll see how it goes. When the subject was brought up to team owner Tom Dundon, he seemed to kind of brush it off. Not that he doesn't want it. He definitely wants the money, but he doesn't want to be closely attached. Yeah, so I think the way it's worked in other places, and I don't know what they're going to do here, is the, the fan duels, MGMs, DraftKings are going to do mobile betting. Okay. And then there'll be some limited number of sports bars, sports books, where you can place a physical bet. Okay. But you're still able to place a mobile bet anyway, so it's not it's, – it's incremental in the sense of that's a – you're more likely to do it because there's TVs and it's yeah. easy, but yeah. Yeah. it won't be like – like that's the only way to better anything. Okay. And don't, don't downplay getting your I know, own book. I'm sorry. Man. I wish. I'm not saying. I'm not saying you're going to be out there setting the line like a sharp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. just saying you don't even want to be that guy. You want to be the guy who collects the money. We want to serve the food and get people to watch TV. I think there's. I don't. We're not actually in the betting business. Just, just so twist you know. the mustache and okay. embrace it. Will I you? wish I was. I wish it was like that. So there's no real news on this yet. Like, the bill hasn't even officially been reintroduced yet, but the chances are pretty good that it's going to pass. So this is definitely something you should keep your eye on because it will have a huge positive impact on the team's balance sheet. Speaking of positive impacts on the balance sheet, Tom Dunn has been the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, well, full season-wise, for the past four years. All four years, the Hurricanes have made the Stanley Cup playoffs, generating an extra anywhere from $10-15 million a year. Maybe not during COVID. Strike the COVID years. But besides that, you make a ton of money when you make the playoffs. And it's looking, actually it's not looking like, it is guaranteed that the team will make the playoffs for the fifth year in a row. And why do I bring this up? I know some people like, listen, we're not there yet. But I beg to differ. We are there yet. So... Again, it's a lock that the Hurricanes, coached by Rod Brindamore, captained by Jordan Stahl, will make the Stanley Cup playoffs. Now, they're only five points in front of the New Jersey Devils for forcing the Metro. So if they still want to win the Metro, that still means something to them. They have to keep their foot on the gas, which I also don't think they're going to have a problem doing. Because if it wasn't for Boston having no ridiculously good last ride of a season, the Carolina Hurricanes would be the best team in the league by a lot, and they would still be one of the best teams in the past handful of years. Which is impressive, because you got to think that we've had Florida and Tampa, who just dominated the regular season. Now, I do want to take a look at the standings. So in this very moment, again, forced the Metro, that means we would take on the New York Islanders. And I'm not saying we should pick and choose who our opponent's going to be, but I'm saying keep your eye on that forced wild card position because that's who we're going to play. Whoever ends up winning that wild card race in the East is our opponent, whether it's Washington 
or Pittsburgh or, I mean, again, the Islanders. We will have to face them. So with only 26 games remaining in the regular season, it's time to start thinking about our first round matchups. Honestly, if I had to pick anyone I want to play, it's probably the Islanders. And I know a lot of people say like they were made for the postseason, and I'm not going to disagree with you. The last two times they've made the playoffs, they went all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. But that team still seems not to have found their way back yet. They were in the wilderness, and they don't, just don't seem to be back just yet. I do not... Do not want to play the Pittsburgh Penguins. And only from the bad juju from 2009, okay? We are a much better team than modern-day Pittsburgh. But I can't say that I want to be a little scared taking them on again after 2009. And it's the very same way. I don't want to play the Habs in the playoffs whatsoever. And it's not because I'm afraid that we wouldn't be able to beat them. We are a much better team than them. The real problem is we have just been eliminated from the playoffs so many times by the Habs that I don't want that juju, you know what I mean? I will say I used to have a very similar taste in my mouth about Boston, but that Game 7 last year just mm, really scratched the itch, so I'm fine with it. There was also a small chance of us playing against the Detroit Red Wings, and We're definitely better than the Red Wings, right? Like, I don't have to tell anyone that. We are a superior team to the Red Wings. Also, we make better pizzas. That joke's funny to, like, three people. But I don't want the Ned against Freddy, Ned against Rata, Ned against Kochekov storyline. I just don't want the Ned against the Hurricane storyline. I think we can beat him. In fact, I... 97.8956% 97.8956% sure that we would beat him. I just don't want the storyline, so I don't want that. To end today's episode, I have to do the most home ice advantage thing possible. For those of you watching it for the first time on YouTube or wherever else I find to put this, I like to climb on soapboxes. It's never too much and it's never super negative, but it's definitely a thing that I do. So, today's topic. And I actually tweeted about it right before the Stadium Series game that this weekend, this past weekend, I should say, of Hall of Fame, Alumni Game, Stadium Series, Fan Fest, you know, setting NHL records for sales and merchandise and the city of Raleigh showing how much of a hockey town we really are. Whether it's just putting on a spectacular performance on national television or then on Monday, to bring 5,000 people out for the alumni game, followed by more than 26,000 people who attended the NC State UNC club match. All of that was the best possible celebration you could have for the revitalization of this franchise, this project that's been going on almost five years now, thanks to the portraits of the team by Tom Dundon, and then the promotion by Tom of... Don Waddell, and then ultimately the promotion of Rod the Bod Brindamore. All three men deserve a ton, like an astronomical amount of credit for what they'll have done. All three of the men will also not take the credit. 
all three of them will push it on to someone else, which is a sign of great leadership. But I want to focus on Raoul Brindamore first. Specifically, what Don Waddell said while talking to the Daily Faceoff. Rod, Rod's going to coach our team for, if he'll stay for 20 years, he's going to stay for 20 years. And if we don't win, it's going to be because we didn't get him good enough players. It ain't going to be because of him. And um, so, yeah, it's never been, I ran a company for 20 plus years and every day I went in there trying to fix the stuff I had messed up. I never looked at it. You know, I didn't ever look at it as, as somebody else's fault. And I think we've got a pretty good Don's the same way. And right. Like, I think we're very lucky that no one's looking to blame other people for what the group fails or You know, if we succeed, we do it together. If we fail, we fail together. And, uh, Rod has openly said that coaching's tiring. Okay. Like he doesn't want to do this forever. And his original goal was always to be in the front office anyways. So eventually he is going to move up to the front office. I want you to think about that. Think about how bad it's going to be in that moment. First, Rod Brindamore is a player. He rode it until the tires came off the bike. In a very respectful way, it was sad at the end because Rod didn't want to hang it up until he knew it was over. And why that's sad, that type of person, that type of personality, that type of leader, the type of leader that Rod Brindamore is, is the same type of guy who will get you to want, run through a wall. And I'm not talking like just some studs and a panel of drywall and you run through it. No, 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 no. This is a steel reinforced brick wall these men are running through. Think back to 2018, 2019. That team was incredibly similar to the team under Bill Peters the year before. And it was a struggle, but the Hurricanes made the playoffs. Rod Brindamore's team cut the drought off at nine years, and then went on that Cinderella run to the Eastern Conference Finals, where they had no business being, based purely off the respect and the amount of work that Rod Brindamore can get out of people. Absolutely incredible. Just absolutely incredible. But again, those three men are not alone. Hawking's social media across all platforms has become must-watch content. They've created a culture of fear of missing out. You, you have to check in daily just to see what the team is up to, just to make sure you haven't missed anything. And that's kind of drive sales, which I realize isn't like the point from a fan perspective, but from a business perspective, it most definitely is. In the same way that they have almost completely redone concessions and merchandise with many shops all over the place, which, yes, gives you more opportunity to spend money, so the team makes more money, but it's also better from a fan perspective, because you don't have to wait in a 20-minute line to get Stormbrew. You just have to wait in a 10-minute line and pay $8. That fan experience portion of this is also incredibly important to the team. I have talked to multiple people within the organization and it's not like I just mentioned, well, we're going to increase profit. We're going to increase profit. We're going to make more money. We're going to get this team out of the red, which has all been done. And there were some business decisions made in advance. 
I'll always love Chuck Kane, but that was a business decision by Tom Dundon, whether you agree with it or not. But they are also doing a ton of other things to make the fan experience better. Tom Dundon gets called cheap, but he built a brand new practice facility that you can go watch the team practice at. He's built all these new concession booths. He's continuously reinvesting into the brand. This season, the team will wear six uniforms, six different uniforms, all six of which did not exist before he bought the team. I'm just putting that out there. We also do not want to deny that the team is still actively working. This organization has not stopped trying to improve the experience for you and anyone else who comes to a game. And I said at the beginning, but this weekend was an incredible way to celebrate that. Were there hiccups? Yeah, of course. They have never hosted a 60,000-person hockey game in Raleigh before. Sorry, that's going to happen. It's unfortunate, but it was also destined. If you, at this moment, are not proud to see what this organization has achieved, one of two things are true. You are a cat who somehow has stumbled upon this hockey video. Or you're just not a Carolina Hurricanes fan. Because, and I put it in the last episode, well, not the last episode of the pod, but the episode of the week before the Stadium Series game with Dan LaCrotorica. We are one of the few fan bases that actively work to advance the prestige of the organization. And thanks to the hard work of tons of people inside the organization that I don't know the name of and you don't know the name of, plus the people we do know, whether it's Mike Foreman or... Dan Latorica or Eric Tolsky, Don Waddell, like Jeff's, I almost said Skinner, I meant Daniels. All these people that like we know the names of. Mike Sunheim, like we know all these people's names and they put in so much work to revitalize this organization. And this weekend, they gave us an amazing time. And then in return, we responded by showing the hockey world who the Carolina Hurricanes are, and why we are the proper owners of the crown for the loudest house in the NHL. Thank you for listening and or watching this episode of Home Ice Advantage. If you liked it, please share it with a friend. That would be amazing. If you're watching the video version, hit the like button on YouTube. That'd be great. Comment helps out the algorithm. I'm hoping to do more of these once my office is fully set up. If you're listening to the audio version, five stars best friends. Until next time, go games.